And De'Aaron might not be a good three-point shooter. He can hit it when he needs to. But his ability just to create such, like, tough buckets, that is going to be very crucial when it comes playoff time. He, like, he'll be, like, the dunks he has are, oh my goodness. Like, I'm a fan of Jai Hope. Sorry, I keep sorry, but I hope he figures his like figures whatever the heck is going on out because I don't want to see like a player, a young player like that, you know, just mess up their career for no reason like that. And so, a miracle in the desert. He's got the bucket. Purple laser beam. I'd rather get W's and get checks. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Beam Unit, Episode 7. I am Liz, one of your co-hosts, along with Daily Sabonis and Naima. What's going on, guys? What's going on? How are you? Doing good, doing good. Just watching some basketball, enjoying uh, you know, another beautiful Wednesday. We know Naima's probably uh, doing her little shopping, so <laughs> she'll be home soon and joining us quickly. Right. And, and I, I just want to say it's been a wonderful 24 hours. I mean, there was nothing like watching the game that was being played. Um, it was Memphis at the LA Lakers and the Lakers coming out with the win. And then my timeline looking so beautiful with everybody so happy uh, that we were in the second seed in the Western Conference. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing, you know, it's it's always hard to root for the Lakers. But last night I was rooting for the Lakers. I mean, Anthony Davis just had like an absolute monster of a game last night. And it's fun watching good basketball. And, you know, the talent, this league is so talented, especially now. So, you know, as much as we hate rooting for other teams, like it's fun to watch, you know, like these haymakers being thrown and just like dominant performances by some of these players. So. Um, yeah, I'm happy they pulled out the win, and then obviously that got us into the second seed. And it's just crazy to me that, like, after so many years, you know, like at this point in the season, we are the second seed. And, you know, I'm going to enjoy it, even if it's just for the next 24 hours. I-, I don't care. Like, this is something that's special. And obviously, now we can say it's not a fluke. Like, this team has gotten to where they're at because of the things they've done on the court. Um, so I'm just, I'm happy for this team. I'm happy for the city and I'm happier for all the fans because, you know, we actually get to enjoy something for once. And, you know, there's always those negative people out there, but, uh, you know, a majority of the Kings fans, thankfully, uh, are enjoying it and they're embracing it. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy right now. And doesn't it seem like every week we're celebrating a milestone, whether it's, oh, we reached 500 or we got out of a three game losing streak or two game losing streak. Um, reaching a certain win total uh, faster than expected. It's like every week I feel like we're celebrating something new and, and that's what makes this year so special. I, I'm going to savor this year. Oh, I sure. really am because you never know what happens next year. I don't want to take this success for granted because um, anything could happen in this league. Uh, you look at all the teams that were supposedly trending upwards last year and some of them uh, are still at the bottom of the standings when you thought they were going to be making a move. So uh, I'm just happy where we're at, and it's been a great 24 hours. Hopefully we get the W tomorrow so that we could stay in the second spot 
but it's been a good run regardless, win or lose. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the thing I love, too, is just, you know, I remember it was just not too long ago. We're like, okay, you know, can this team get finally over that, like, five games over 500 mark? And we're at 12 games over 500 now, like, which is crazy to say about this Sacramento Kings team and just the quick turnaround we have had so far this season. Like, just not long ago, we were watching this team go on multiple nine-game losing streaks. Like, I don't think people realize how quickly things have shifted and things have turned around with this this franchise. So, I mean, we have to give all the credit to Monty McNair. We have to give credit to the entire front office. And then Mike Brown, obviously, and the whole coaching staff. Um, they have just done wonders with the rosters and the, you know, the roster and the pieces that they have and the pieces that have been brought in. Um, just but shout out to these players, too. I mean, they're buying in. They're taking the accountability, which is also crazy because past years, this team has never been held accountable for what they've been doing. So the fact that we're seeing, you know, such a shift so quickly, is just so amazing. So, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy the season no matter what, you know, no matter, you know, the struggles, um, the heartbreak, whatever it is, the wins, whatever happens. I am just so proud of this team. And there's there's nothing to not be proud of. And I know, you know, once the season ends and once everything finally comes to an end, there obviously be that, you know, moment where people are going to be negative but I, I just hope everyone can find the positive and the silver linings in such a successful season I think um, you know with even just making the playoffs for the first time in 17 years well it's already amazing to Kings fans like we're the ones who are paying attention and we're hardly in, in, in believing what's happening um, but think about what we look like outside of the fan base um, I had a gentleman <laughs> reach out to me through my DMs and he was like yo uh the Sacramento Kings is such a feel-good story. Um, I know Keegan Murray can ball, and he came ready to play. But other than that, I don't know who stands out. Well, what happened? And and I had to lay it down, pretty much recapping what we both said. And so, from the outside looking in, it almost looks like almost. I I, I don't blame it. Blame people for thinking that this is a fluke, because even Kings fans are like, "What is this? Is this real?" Right. Oh, of course. But I mean, at this point in the season, it's like, how can you not believe? And you know what I mean? Like, how could you as an outsider, like, how could you not root for this team? And like, it's just such a feel good story. Like when I was watching the game earlier with Dallas and um, the Pelicans, like Doris Burke, like, you know, did a shout out to us and was like, light the beam. Like, I love it. Like, we're finally getting those commentators just making comments about us because they're starting to realize like, hey, like this, you know, this is something special. Like even Zach Lowe on his podcast, like made the, you know, he's like, I honestly wouldn't really be surprised if the Sacramento Kings are in the Western Conference finals kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy to say that. Like, obviously, you know, we got to take one step at a time. But I mean, the things that these people are saying, just like, how could it not get you excited? How could it not get you hyped? And just the product on the floor alone, like especially that win against the Clippers a couple weeks ago, like I was ready to run through, like, I don't even know how many walls I got for that win. So it's just amazing. Like I'm enjoying every moment of it. Even when we lose, like, I just know that this team is capable of making that quick turnaround and those quick adjustments to not let these things, you know, be repeated and on obviously like a long losing streak, like we've seen in previous seasons. So yeah, I just, how could you not love this, you know, the story and the team and just everything that's going around uh, around this franchise. It's just, it's awesome. And for the record, I'm not expecting anything. I just won't be surprised if anything happens. Does that make sense? Like, 
I'm not going to put a ceiling, and I say this every week, I'm not going to put a ceiling on this team. And as far as we go, uh, I, I will not be surprised if we go far. And But I'm not going to expect it either. I know how to you know, protect my, my purple heart but that's has the beam inside. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I expect them to, to win here and accomplish this. Don't do that to yourself. Just enjoy the ride and and know that this team can go as far as it wants to and can accomplish a lot of things and, and, and not be surprised. But, um, you know, you know me and, and people with scheduled losses and scheduled wins, you know, I, I don't play that, but this team can do, this team can do some great things. Um, you mentioned in our DMs uh, that you had some interesting thoughts about Trey Lyles at center. Yeah, I mean, I've, I really enjoyed Shemezi Metu in some certain lineups and things like that and in some certain matchups. But uh, just the way Trey Lyles has played at that small ball five, I think is it's been a game changer in some situations. I can't remember the exact game that it was. I believe it was against the Minnesota Timberwolves that when we played the on the second game, when we won in Minnesota, he went in as a small five, I think, after Sabonis had fouled out. And he was guarding Rudy Gobert. And I thought it was such a game changer because on offense, Rudy was having to go out and guard him on the, you know, on the three-point line. And he was just cooking him all, all game, all game. So certain matchups, I do think that that's something they need to take more of a look at. And Trey Lyles just has just been so huge for this team, just doing the little things for the team, like rebounding, just as defense too, let alone has improved so much. So I really love Trey Lyles. Like everyone obviously thought he was probably on his way out of the league, which is crazy because he's 27 years old. But Mike Brown has, and his coaching staff has like brought out the best Trey Lyles. And I, I love that. Like he's not afraid to dunk on someone's head. He's not a get, afraid to get his hands dirty. He's not afraid to guard the other team's best player like he is showing a different level to his game this season um that is just absolutely crazy and like we you know the trade that they did for him is even crazier because you know we traded Marvin Bagley who just wasn't playing for us he wasn't being productive for us like anything like that yes because of injuries and you know not so much you know a fault of his own but I mean having Trey Lyles back and just the things he's done you know so far since being with the Sacramento Kings I just think in some certain situations, I think they need to go to that small ball five a little more. And that's when you know that our team has, is becoming one of those upper echelon teams that have good systems. Um, it's teams like the Heat that bring the best out of um, players that aren't as popular, like the Caleb Martins um, and players like that. Um, I know that most people, most fan bases outside of the Sacramento Kings really don't know who Trey Dallas is. Of course, Detroit Pistons, where he came from. Um, most people that aren't Raptors fans um, don't know who TD is. But the Sacramento Kings are bringing them out the best in those players um, and, and making them formidable bench players who produce. And it's a wonderful thing. And I will say, um, while Lyles is at center, I thought Lyles and Chemezi Metu together – played beautiful basketball. The things they were doing in the last game um, were eye-opening. And I really hope to see more, and I hope they have more minutes together. No, for sure. That also, too. Like I said, I think it's very situational where you put those guys either together or separate, Chemezi at the, the five or Trey Lyles at the five. It's very situational. 
but I definitely like in some certain situations, definitely Trey Lyle is playing that, you know, the small ball five. But that's the thing is like, obviously we love our stars. We love Jaren Fox. We love Sabonis, but I love the underdog guys more that are coming off the bench and, you know, people like don't expect them to just go nuclear, but they still contribute in ways that are helpful to this team and helpful in getting wins. So, you know, like Malik Monk, might always have, you know, 45-point games, but he's still coming in. He's still playmaking. He's still, you know, playing that kind of, like, I wouldn't say, like, dirty player mentality, but, like, he's not afraid to get his hands a little wet and play, you know, a little bit on edge and, you know, play with that energy. So just those guys bring so much different stuff to our team that we just haven't seen with the Sacramento Kings team in a lot of years coming off the bench. So I just root for everyone you know, off that bench because they're the guys that are going to, you know, basically help, um, you know, elevate this team even farther. So what's their nickname going to be? Is it going to be the Bean Brothers? Uh, they need a nickname, Mitu and Lyles, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> a hard one. I mean, they could be the Bean Brothers, as long as it's not Beam Cream. No, no, not we're, we're not even going to go there. <laughs> um, I'd have to change the rating of this podcast in the settings to explicit or or NC-17, I don't know. It's so obscene. That's all I got to say. Um, Kevin Herter, he's been on fire lately. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, it's so toxic once you go on Twitter after games and, you know, if we lose or even if we win sometimes, oh, Kevin Herter, glad they benched him or, oh, you know, he's been awful. It's like, you know, yes, yeah, so he's been in a shooting slump. We know this, but it happens with shooters. They get in a slump, they have to figure it out. And thankfully, Mike Brown still has that trust in him to figure it out. And he gives them those minutes to figure it out. But the nice thing about Trey, La- or I'm sorry, about Kevin Herter is he continues to do different things with his game. He's not just a three point shooter. He is going to the basket, he's getting those nice running one hand, you know, layups or, you know, hook shot, whatever he's doing. Like it's so nice to see different dimensions to Kevin Herter's game. But lately, just from three point, he's just been on absolute fire. Like it's just, it's been so nice to watch and thankful that, you know, he's getting his form back. He's getting back into that rhythm, but yeah, he was definitely a, a very big piece of us winning um, on Monday without De'Aaron Fox. That's right. Well, I think that was the best part of, of Kevin Herter's play lately is, is when he was in a slump, he still uh, played defense and contributed there. Also, um, he didn't rely on just shooting from long range. He would drive. He would do floaters um, and cut, and, and he still added to the offense. So even if he's not hitting from three, and that's the beautiful thing, beautiful thing about our roster is like everybody can put the ball on the floor a little bit or a lot, uh, can self-create in their own way, not at a, a Fox level or a Malik Monk level, of course, but they can still do all those things. And I said that at the beginning of the year, this roster roster is so dynamic and it could do so much. Um, Naima, welcome back. I'm glad you're on your Wi-Fi at home. Any thoughts of whatever we talked about earlier? You know, it's cool sitting back and listening to you guys talk because you guys flow really well. But um, yeah, like I was, I was, man, I went to sleep so happy. Was it last night that we got the second seed? Yeah. Yeah, man. I've, it's been a while since I've been happy about um, Kings basketball or basketball in general, to be honest. Like, all my teams have been, like, 
getting to the championship or lo- and then losing or losing in a heartbreaking fashion or just, you know, not being that well, even though the teams I usually support are <laughs> championship contenders. But um, it was just really cool to see, like you mentioned earlier, Daily, um, the timeline going crazy. Like, it was so cool to see that. Um, but, yeah, I really – I like how you guys mentioned, like, Trey Lyles, um, him playing center. Obviously, it was a mismatch on purpose um, by Mike Brown. And I think the whole t- uh, Trey and Metu lineup we're going to see more of because – Mike Brown obviously doesn't want to share um, everything, obviously all his set plays, right? <laughs> it would not be smart to share everything during the regular season. So I expect a lot more like lineup change. Maybe we'll even see Rashawn Holmes more depending on the matchup we have at center. Maybe. Yeah. So it's exciting to see what this team can do. Um, and can't wait for tomorrow's game because guess what? I'm going to be there <laughs> with my sister who has like a 10-0 record against like 10-0 record in Golden 1 Center since they moved to Golden 1 Center. So yeah, she hasn't been to many games in Golden 1, but whenever she comes with me, we win. So <laughs> yeah. Are you in the lower bowl or where are you sitting at? Or should we look for you? I don't you? even know. I don't, it doesn't even matter. I'm going to be in the place, but um, it, I think I'm sitting like upper like like in the 120s maybe but I'm not 100% sure I would have to check um but I'm gonna be in there like it's gonna be awesome the energy is gonna be like that next game really set the tone for our team um because we what we were up like 45 at one point and I get Kyrie wasn't there but come on Kevin Durant can win games by himself (laughs) you know so it was just really cool to see and also see Kevin Durant play I know we talk, we're talking about the Kings, but like, I've been a fan of watching him for a very long time. So that was very cool. And to see him lose like that against the Kings was even greater. <laughs> um, but it was a really cool game. And that was the same game everyone was wearing. They were handing out band-aids. Cause like, remember when Malik got a really bad injury and he had right. to put a band-aid on it? Yeah. <laughs> so it was just a really cool night. Now, somebody was mentioning that on Twitter. It's like, what's been your favorite moment of the year so far? And yeah, and somebody mentioned the Band-Aid era, which was the seven-game winning streak, I believe. And uh, yeah, there's so many great moments during that time. Um, I think that's when, and I mentioned how one of my favorite moments was that the first Kentucky connection where they had back-to-back alley-oops to each other uh, among Fox and Monk. And so, yeah, I'll never forget that. Then there was the red slides era. There were so many moments this year. It's interesting yeah. you say that, Daily, because didn't we lose that game? <laughs> For the red slides, I think? No, the oh, dunk yeah. with Malik. And, yeah. Yeah. It was a cool moment, though, Absolutely. Sure. So I just found out Trey Lyles is, is Canadian. He was born in Canada. So we might call them the, the Canada-Nigerian connection. I don't know, but I'm going to work it out. Wait, wait. Okay, so... Canada, what's their like mascot or whatever? Like maple, right? Yeah. And then Nigeria is what? I don't know. I gotta find out. Hang on. I think it's E no, I'm not gonna Fountain. I don't know. Hang on, Nigerian <laughs> team. All right, so I think that's a good segue to open up the mics. Um let's talk about our favorite moments this year. Shall we? So 
I already see a request from the number one Kings fan, Sacramento Kings fan. That's not you, Ty. That's Tambir. <laughs> Ty, what's going on? Welcome to the Beam Unit. Yo, what's good? Um, so what was the question again? I kind of heard it, then you let me up, so I didn't hear it fully. What was your favorite moment so far for this Kings team this season? And I'm just just talking about moments. Uh, yeah, I know. A whole game is a whole game, but you know what I mean? Like a singular um, moment. I would say the second or like just all of OT when Malik Monk was going crazy. Like obviously De'Aaron was playing well, but Monk just had an out of body experience, and that would just like really cause a basketball fan to just to see, like, I'm not gonna, I mean, I mean it's in a disrespectful manner, but like a random role player which you won't expect to go for 45, just killing you know one of the best defenders of this generation because Kawhi, even though he might not be as good as it once was. Like, why is still a great defender? Same with Paul George. And he was just obliterating everyone. So I would say that. I, I will say well, I still think Kawhi could defend at that high level. I just think I he can't do it. Yeah, He just can't he do just it for a full it. season. But this next stretch of the regular season and the playoffs, I think we're going to see, like, killer robot Kawhi all over again, I'm sure. But, yeah, that's a great one, Ty. It's interesting you said Malik Monk is a role player because I don't think he – well, yes, in this system he's a role player, but I think he's capable of starting um, because, like, I don't know. You know, to be honest, I would prefer Malik to start, but Mike Brown obviously knows what he's doing with starting Kevin Herter, so we need a little bit of size. And I think Kevin Herter is taller, so, um, yeah, I think he starts on most other teams, which is funny to say because it's the Kings that usually bench players start or whatever, so – but, yeah, that moment was cool. With the I was just going to say real quick. It's not even a disrespectful thing because oh, like, no, no. there's, mo- there's been multiple players who have of been started caliber who have been really good off the bench. Like I think Malik Monk's role is kind of like what Terrence Ross was when he first was in Orlando. You know what I mean? Like a really good bucket getter who can do a bit more than what Terrence Ross could. I don't think – I think I've mentioned this before. I don't think the word, the phrase role player is an insult because you're in the NBA – playing a role to possibly lead a team to the playoffs or even win the championship and role players win you championships. They, you see it all the time. So I don't even, that's definitely not to me, at least like, it's not like you said, disrespectful or uh, anything. And, so, and yeah. I'm skipping ahead and I, I do want us to stay on this topic, but the thing about role players in the NBA is, is that everybody expects a draft pick to be like a superstar. And that's not the case. I think, a successful draft pick is if they have a niche role in the NBA, if they can play in the NBA and they get 10 to 20 minutes a night and they're constantly um, employed and they're getting contracts every contract period. I think that's a success, you know, um, especially after you get out of the top six or seven picks. If anybody stays in the league, that's a success to me. You know, that's all I have to say. Um, Tanvir, what's going on? Yo, what's going on, Bean Unit man? Yeah, man. <laughs> Are you still on that that high of of being in the second place? What's up? Yes, you know, you know how I roll, bro. I had to do an emergency space yesterday. 
Yeah, sorry, I, I couldn't join that. Um, it's, all, it's all good, bro. I, it's all good, man. I was unwinding, no so I, I, for me, it's like once I turn off, you know, the Twitter socializing persona, I, I, I'm totally off. But, yeah, no, I don't blame you. You had to get it out. Um, I'm sure you guys were, were beyond stoked. Tanvir, oh, yeah. Yeah. what was your favorite moment this season so far? Hey, man, it, it got to be that game against the uh, Clippers when we went to two overtimes, man. That shit was just insane, man. How crazy we were going, man. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that the Clippers were going crazy as well. Uh, Paul George uh, yeah. busting out for 30. Kawhi going off and going crazy. And that's the worst is that there was good defense being played and it was just better offense, as everyone has said, including so-called experts. What can you say? No, I, no problem with that at all. Yeah. Right on, Tanvir. Uh, we're going to go to App. Welcome back. What's going on, sir? Yo, what up, Beam Unit? Oh, man, we woke up second in the fucking Western Conference. Like, stand up. Like we started 0-4, and, and we're now second in the West. We're just not used to it. We honestly aren't. And, and, and it's a beautiful thing when you see a whole fan base just unite and go crazy on the timeline in the most positive of ways. Uh, and, yeah, we, we had some people – that just wanted to start drama for no reason. And a lot of us shut it down real quick. Some people were trying to gatekeep and be like, Oh, well, we don't want any bandwagon fans. It's like, we don't need to care about that right now. You know, app. Um, did you get a call or what's up? Oh yeah. So I, I'll say my favorite, I have two favorite moments. Well, my first is the, the game in summer league with Keegan and Orlando when he hits that Reggie Miller shot to send it into overtime and Mark Jones on the call with the uh, miracle in the desert. I mean, that was the start of where we're like, okay, this kid Keegan could really be something special for this team. And then my next favorite moment would probably be that game in Orlando because we, I think we were like uh, four and six at that time. And Orlando came in, they were long at Bobo, Paolo and, they were just going off in the first half, and then all of a sudden, Fox just flips that switch, and then all of a sudden, we're just dominating them, and he comes back, and he hits the game winner at the end of the game. And I think that really propelled our season because it gave us confidence that, that we belong in this league. We belong in the upper echelons. Now, we're a good team, and it, and it let us show the world, not only us Kings fans, but to themselves and the world that, hey, we have a superstar point guard. And we have a team that could really play together and be great. So, yeah, I think those are my favorite two moments. And I think that's an important I'm happy that point. You... Go ahead, Liz. Yeah, well, I was just going to say I'm happy I brought up uh, Keegan. Um, that's something I actually want to talk about tonight. Just the things Keegan's doing lately. Um, he's just taking his game to other levels. And I love that he's taking the challenges that Mike Brown has given him, um, especially that one game where, you know, he said he did his impression of Keegan, which I thought was obviously hilarious. Um, but he said, you know, if you can dunk on someone, go do it. And what did he do that next game? He literally took that ball coast to coast and he dunked on someone's head. So just the things he's doing, the rebounding, especially at a high level, 
Um, I love it. He's just being so much more aggressive. And now he's adding that step back to his game. You know, he's driving in, doing little pull-ups. Like, I just love that he's just slowly developing before her eyes. And we don't need him to be that, you know, like, superstar kind of guy. He just needs to come in and do his role and just continue to develop. And that's been nice because for so long we've we've needed a rookie to come in and save us, and that's just not going to ever be the case. Um, you know, we've needed a team around us to obviously make us better. And clearly with De'Aaron Fox, like he's been here, you know, for six years now. And, you know, we knew what De'Aaron was and the things that he could do, but he's just never had the help around him. So now that he has that help around him, we've obviously seen De'Aaron take that next step. And I believe he can take a step even further than he's taking now, which is crazy to say. But yeah, Keegan Murray, I just am so impressed with him. I love the kid. I'm happy that he's in Sacramento um, and going to be in Sacramento for a long time. But yeah, it's just so amazing to see him just continue to grow before our eyes and he's only going to get better from here. Like we are probably going to be looking at a very high caliber player in the NBA for many years to come in Keegan Murray. I just love that every week he shows us something new, whether it's a pull up, like you said, a step back or he finishes on a drive in some spectacular manner. I didn't know he was flexible like that. when he had that one lay in um, a few games back. So yeah, it's exciting to watch and he's already an exciting player, but you know, he's not even his complete self yet. He's still ascending. Yeah, and I thought too, like I remember, I can't remember what game it was, but he like went in, you know, and like he went in super soft and he kind of like went for a layup, like and missed it. And like in my head, and I probably said it out loud, I was like, like dunk that shit. Like, come on, Keegan. And then just now he's not afraid. Like he will go in and he is dunking that shit. So, I love that he has like a little sauce, you know, like Mark Jones would say, but like he's showing us, but the best thing that it is, even after he does these little like saucy moves, he just has no expression on his face. He's just like, okay, whatever, like, you know, keep going. And the fact that, you know, his response to Mike Brown, when he said, you know, like dribble the ball or take it coast to coast, he's like, well, I can do that. And he's like, well, then do it. And he's like, well, you know, like he just is so humble. Like I love it. And he just has no expression. So like, I hope we get a smile out of Keegan sooner rather than later. I know he smiled a few times, but, you know, like, come on, kid. Like, show us a little something with the, you know, expression. Yeah, he gets a little smirk every now and then. And I'm, it's, it's kind of funny to see those DPOG pictures after games. Um, his poses and his stances are getting a little more loose every game. And, and it's really nice to see, for sure. Um, and I do want to say, and I'm glad uh, App mentioned that Fox game winner. It's like, I think because of that, the team is more likely to follow him, follow him even more as a leader. I think once you show and prove that you're the leader and that you are a clutch player and you are the official closer of this team, which is what elite teams need uh, and have, it just makes things everything more um, solidified. Joe, yeah, he's not only a closer of this team, he's a closer of the damn league. Like, just the stuff that he continues to do just alone in the fourth quarter is just like outrageous. Like he just can get to his spot. He does what he does. And yeah, Fox has just been on an absolute tear lately. And yeah, I'm so happy he's in Sacramento. Like I've been a Fox fan, obviously since, you know, day one, I'm a fan of every player on this team since day one, but I just am loving that he's finally getting, you know, rewarded with a winning team around him. So yeah, I just, I just love what he's doing. Well, it's it's just so weird that he's not even in the MVP conversation because we wouldn't be where we are without him. And I just feel like 
the MVP conversation is so jumbled up with these stats that reward these players that run these global offenses where everyone's involved. And I get it. It's, it's more an advanced stats thing, but being a clutch player like that at that level has to account for something. And for whatever reason it doesn't, which uh, is kind of puzzling to me. Um, I don't know. Tanvir and then Naima. But <laughs> I see we were getting, uh, I wanted to say a few things about Keegan also. So he's been doing his thing. He has still has so much he could show us, man. And I am can't say so much, man, but he's been so amazing. He has still has so much bag in his tricks, man. Shit is just crazy, man. And on about De'Aaron, man, the progress he has made is insane, man. From a rookie and now to a star, man. It's only the beginning, man. He's always gonna he's always gonna get better. Let's keep on going, man. Right on, Denver. Naima. Yeah, speaking of like the MVP conversations, if it was any other team and we finished like what, but obviously the bottom like eleventh last year or something like that, and all, towards the end of the season, there's only like what less than twenty games left, and a player did what Fox did, hitting those game winners, going absolutely crazy in the fourth quarter for multiple games in a row, not like just scattered, no, in a row. And that seven, what is it? Was it seven or eight? Like thirty point games. Only Michael Jordan has done that in the league. Um, over fifty percent shooting from the field and bread and butter. Uh, Fox's bread and butter is literally mid-range, so it's not... Yeah, layups too, but he loves that little, like, you know, 15 pull-up. And so, if there was a player of any other team, I don't care, it could be... Okay, maybe not Orlando Magic, but, like, let's say the Warriors or the Lakers did it, or or the Grizzlies as a player did that in a market like that, they would have won MVP. And it's happened before. Like, I guarantee you, if you go back, the league has been around almost now 100 years, like, what is it, like 70-something years now? And so I just don't think De'Aaron Fox will ever get that respect until we obviously go to the playoffs and, like, win some, hopefully win some games and win some series and win the whole damn thing because it's Sacramento. No one respects Sacramento like that, and it's unfortunate to say. Um, But, yeah, De'Aaron Fox should definitely be getting MVP votes. And, yeah, I just think, it's flawed. I think the system, the way they um, vote and everything for the MVP is like flawed because as a LeBron fan, for example, like he should have won like five MVPs in a row, in my opinion, but because they base it on the regular season, I'm like, fine. But if it was like based on also the playoffs, I'm sorry, no one was touching Bron his Miami days. And then when he went back to the Cavs, like no one went to nine straight finals. So until Fox does that and the Kings do that, then I, I just – I don't see it. I don't see him even getting one vote, to be honest. They just are going to overlook Sacramento because also people don't actually watch games. They just look at box scores, and box scores don't tell you anything. tells you, okay, sure, the stats, but it doesn't tell you how the game went, how – like even if, let's for example, he's super efficient anyway, but let's say Fox shot like 5 of 17. What if he hit a game winner? What if he took – he stole the ball and gave – and passed it up front for, um you know, a game, to tie it? Like – so many things happen in a game. So for Fox, I just 
I've been a fan of Fox since his Kentucky days. Or I remember the day he actually um, committed to Kentucky. So um, they from the very beginning, I knew he was an amazing player. Watched him at Kentucky, <laughs> torching, you know, UC, uh, the UCLA and like torching Lonzo Ball every time he sees him. So yeah, don't remind me really cool. of that. Oh yeah, I forgot you're a UCLA fan. <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> I've had no choice but to follow Fox in his career. It just was what it was. It's like, oh, he torches my team, but then he gets drafted to my NBA team. Yeah, we need to talk about why you're a UCLA fan. But Fox just like you know he he was special at Kentucky, and that's why um, like he was very selfish in my opinion in Kentucky. And I get it; it's a one and done year. You have to prove yourself for the NBA and for, as a prospect. For the draft and everything, and I totally understand. I mean, I mean, his selfishness um, got some good wins and some eyes on him. So uh, it's just really cool to see that now he's able to, you know, be a point guard and take over when he needs to, and like, you know, take a. It, I mean, it helps you have someone like Sabonis on your team now. So yeah, it just reminds me of like the Boogie days, and I'm like, man, if Boogie and De'Aaron played together, and Boogie was still in his prime, and he never tore his ACL or his Achilles. I don't care what nobody says. That would have been the best duo in the Pacific Division. I don't care. Take your clays. Take your steps. I don't care. I would have taken Boogie Fox. Give me that prime Boogie and and right now Fox. Like if we had that, oof. I wish like man, man, it would have been so good. But you know, it is what it is. And Boogie got to experience a playoff series with um. The Pelicans, which I obviously, <laughs> it's funny. I remember when Boogie played here and I got a free ticket and he absolutely torched the Kings and I loved every single bit of it. I was actually in the arena behind the basket and my sister and I were there and we're like, if Boogie torches us, we deserve it. We deserve it. Like we were winning, we were winning games anyway. So it was just really cool to see him in AD. It was really special with AD. Um, and he wore Boogie's jersey, so shout out to AD. Uh, and then he won the Olympics, so that was really cool to see. I was so happy for Boogie. Like it had, it, he had a good like two years at at the very least with the Pelicans. So yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate that there are so many great players uh, who had careers derailed by injuries. It's really unfortunate. Ty, I do see your hand up, but we're gonna let Nick speak. Nick, welcome. Light the beam. What's up? Hey. First of all, I want to say hi to Naima. How are you doing today? Uh, like to be, why not? And I do want to say, you know, I, I'm, I mean, the Kings are, are going to look good tomorrow because New York is playing us tomorrow. We are playing the Knickerbockers. We're going to win tomorrow. We're going to win. We're going to light the goddamn beam. You know, you, you, you win the game tomorrow. You like the beam tomorrow. I want to see the beam lit tomorrow. And I'm excited that Fox is going to be available tomorrow. But he's going to play tomorrow. So, you know, you're going to be available and you're going to win that game tomorrow. You're going to light the, light the beam. My favorite moment from the season? Um, man, um, there's a lot. Uh, that Nets nationally televised game, they're smoking them on national television, was cool. Um, um the was it the double overtime game with uh Monk and Fox both getting like over 40 points? That was dope. Um, and then there was like a random game this season where um 
There was a sequence where, like, uh, on a fast break, Fox, like, threw an alley-oop to Monk, and then, like, I don't know if it was the next play or whatever, uh, like, Monk threw an alley-oop to Fox. I can't remember what game that was, but that was pretty cool. Yeah, I really, I, I love that. Uh, I just love any play involving those two. Um, the the Fox pass to Monk for the three to, I think, tie that Clippers game or something, I I have a trouble remembering exactly which games this happened in, but just I, I always yell out like Kentucky anytime they do anything that's awesome. Um, um yeah, and uh, the Fox buzzer beater or was it a buzzer beater in um in Orlando earlier early in the season? Uh, that was dope. So, right, so I actually wanted to say a couple of things before the space just randomly died last time. Oh, uh, one thing which I love about Fox's game, someone mentioned it, is the mid range. Like I am a mid range lover, and I and I'm that's my guilty pleasure is just seeing plays rise up in the mid range because, yes, being able to shoot threes is good. Being able to finish at the rim is good. But come playoff time, it's been proven over and over again, you need a three level scorer. And De'Aaron might not be a good three point shooter. He can hit it when he needs to, but his ability just to create such like tough buckets, that is going to be very crucial when it comes playoff time. Because that's what's going to happen is the game's going to slow right the fuck down. I don't care how fast you play. That game slows down in the playoffs and it's proven. So having someone who can, again, hit clutch shots, create when there's practically nothing going on, that's going to be crucial. To the MVP thing and just, I guess, the respect in general, like, I'm not going to make it about us, but very quickly, like, no one respected Ingram until that playoff run last year. No one cared about him. No one said anything but as soon as they saw him like carry us in the playoffs average 27 he finally got his respect and i feel like that's the exact same thing with De'Aaron. if De'Aaron has a good playoff series they're going to be in the high like they do with ingram look at De'Aaron fox maybe he is better than john Morant. something which uh, i know you guys have been praising and i've been preaching practically from the start of the season that fox is better than job but people aren't ready for that yet because it's the name they go off the name value and not the actual talent the thing about Ja is, yeah, he's very... The thing about him and why people think he's better, which is bullshit in my opinion, excuse the language, but is he's so... He's so electrifying to watch, mm-hmm. right? He, like, he'll be... Like, the dunks he has are... Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm a fan of Ja. I hope he figures his shit out. Sorry, I keep sorry. But I hope he figures his... Like, figures whatever the heck is going on because I don't want to see like a player, a young player like that, you know, just mess up their career for no reason like that. And so um, I get it. I totally get why they think that. It's, again, box scores and watching highlights, but it's like, have you seen them play? De'Aaron can hit a shot. John has, like, he'll hit big shots when needed, just like Fox, but Fox has that mid-range on lock. Mm-hmm. Like no other player in the league right now, like clutch clutch beyond words if he doesn't win that clutch award i'm sorry but i'm burning down nba headquarters <laughs> it was already disrespectful when he uh wasn't an all-star starter yeah i said it forget it reserve he should have been a starter over jaw i don't care what nobody says he should have been that's my opinion and y'all can be y'all can have your opinions but yeah but that's what i thought and it proved after the all-stars that that's exactly what he was. He he put up numbers that have old MJ. I'm not comparing to MJ, please. No. Yeah. yeah, and just to say my final point is like, 
thing with Jaw is Jaw might be a better finisher. One, I don't think it's that much of a gap. And two, like, teams dare Jaw Moran to shoot in the playoffs. Like, we see that where they back off him. And, well, not obviously too far because Jaw Morant, the one thing which he has with Tierra and his speed, like, they're both so quick that they can just blow by you if you do give them too much room. Like, but Jaw Morant's not a great shooter. And then uh, you said that the Marcus played in the playoffs. Uh, he actually didn't. Uh, like, you brought up his injury, but he got injured before he made the playoffs of us. So he's technically didn't play in his prime in the playoffs, unfortunately. And not only that, though, Ty, it's the Kings have more than just Aaron Fox as far as self-creation goes. I mean, Monk, he's not as good as a self-creator as De'Aaron, but he can create his own shot. So can TD um, if he's on a heater. Um, and then we have different levels of that, right? Like Herder, depending on who's guarding him, can create his own shot. Um so can Harrison. I just think that's why we're so lethal is the fact that all of our pieces are so much more versatile. You know what I mean? It's an incredible thing. Um, Blake, welcome. What's going on, man? What's up? Well, I just want to jump in because Ty was talking about the mid-range, and I think this is one of the most fascinating things because, you know, if you read, you know, the the mid-range uh, theory and, and some of the more analytics-heavy books, like, you start seeing that the mid-range game is going away because of analytics, right? Because the three-point shot is overvalued. Like, it should not be worth three points based on how well people shoot them. And so it's a no-brainer. Like, people are are taking more threes, right? We, we see across the league. The problem is, is that, like, defenses start covering the perimeter so much better and leaving weak spots, right? And so, yeah, like Ty was saying, like, in the playoffs, that mid-range game is there, and if he can hit that, and if he can th- hit that as efficiently as he does, like that is where he is one of the tops in the league, right? And that is such a skill that, like, I can't wait to see him start shooting those in the playoffs to where people see, oh, De'Aaron Fox came to play, and he's just going to kill you all game long, especially when, when he goes in fast, driving the lane, and stops on a dime to hit a mid-range. Like, how do you guard that? You don't. And the the modern defenses are just not set up to cover that, especially in the defense when or in the playoffs when they're when they're rushing to cover the perimeter and and clog the paint. Like I, I'm just like I'm not so sure to to listen to people say, oh well, Fox is you know he's he's not ready for the playoffs or you know oh wait come, wait come playoff time you know we'll see if he shows up. Like I, I have no doubt he's going to show up in the playoffs because he is made like his game is made for the playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. Like the, the only thing that I think that he's been missing that, uh, you know, I haven't run the numbers on it, but it, to the naked eye, it seems like he's getting that all-star call. Like that's the one thing in the playoffs that like, if he start, if he keeps getting those calls on all of his drives, which I mean, we've seen it like his entire career, he gets banged down low, like nobody else. And he does not get that favorable whistle. If he starts getting that, if you start seeing him in the playoffs getting that whistle, like that's where his game completely takes off, right? If he's getting, you know, eight free throws a night, game over. You know, he his scoring is going to be pretty much unstoppable in the playoffs. So I am like I am amped. I am pumped to see what he does in the playoffs. I think I think that he's really going to rise to the moment. And I think that's the second 
feature of his game that he needed. I mean, everybody said, oh, he needs an outside shot. And he improved on that. And he also improved on his free throws this year. But yeah, getting to the line is also uh, the last attribute to his game that he needed to improve on. And now he's getting it. So yeah, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. I think if they want to extend their series like the NBA does because they're greedy and they need that advertising money, they're going to give them the calls because you want these uh, series to be as competitive as possible, for sure. Um, App, thanks for your patience. What's up? Yeah, I'm with Ty. Like, I missed the mid-range so bad. Like, I grew up on, like, early 2000s basketball. So, you know, it was the T-Max, the Vince Carters, the Kobe's. I mean, there's nothing better than watching, like, somebody hit, like, a 20-foot two right on two people right in your fucking grill. You know, those are tough, and that's skill. That takes a lot of skill. And, you know, it may be not the analytics thing to do, but to me, that's what I grew up on. That's what I love. Like, the game was maybe have been 90 to 90, but hell. Like, I take it back to that Kobe series against the Suns when he was just hitting every tough mid-range possible against Grand Hill and Boris Diaw and all these guys. And, you know, the NBA has become a glorified, three-point contests in some ways which you know sometimes it can be fun when your team is shooting it but when other teams not it's it gets really hectic so you know I I wish players would kind of get back to that but I understand where they're coming from yeah and I I know how effective it is right I mean we've seen those 20-point leads uh, disappear in a matter of two minutes maybe even less sometimes because people are hitting threes but like you said We've seen every team, even teams that shoot like close to 40% per game, they have lulls. And we all know the best thing to do during that lull is to get into the paint or go mid-range. And if you don't have a mid-range artisan, which is a quote from uh, one of those books, whether it's mid-range or spaced out, uh, you're not going to get any points. If you don't have a center or a forward that has post moves, you're almost screwed if your outside shooting isn't working for a spell of a game. So, yeah, it's super important. Naima or Elizabeth, thoughts? I absolutely adore the um, mid-range game. If I look at a list of, like, my favorite players, what they're usually dominant at is the post. I love post play. That's my favorite type of play, especially from power forwards. Um, is a, And then, it's, then it, next is the mid-range game. And so, especially when I watch WNBA, that's like you have to be so skilled in like the fundamentals, but like the mid-range game is, I don't know if you guys know Chelsea Gray, but my God, (laughs) if you want to just be amazed, just YouTube her finals highlights from last year or just her playoff series and league pass is like $25 if you want to watch entire games, but uh, the WNBA league pass, my goodness, she is a... I, I can't even describe what she did last year in the playoffs in 2022. So, and then my favorite player of all, mm, oof, sorry, not of all time, but like my, one of my favorite players, literally second favorite player in WNBA. Her name is Simone Augustus. And man, if you want to see a mid range clinic, watch any Simone Augustus um, early days, um, late 2000s when the, when the, what is it called? Links were good, 2011 to 2017. Like like I said, WNBA League Pass is $25. So, um, yeah, like my I love the mid-range. And then, obviously, in the NBA, um, players like 
uh, DeRozan and all that. So it's really fun to watch. So I agree, like, you need, um, in order to win a series, you need a player who is a three-level scorer, but especially at the mid-range, as Ty mentioned, like, the game is going to slow down. Even if you want to play fast, at one point it's going to slow down, especially if the game is uh, close. So, yeah, love the mid-range. Yeah, I think another player that also needs to be talked about in the mid-range is uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Um, he absolutely destroyed people in the mid-range. Uh, his step back one leg uh, was just so underrated. Like, I hated watching Dirk Nowitzki because you knew every time he shot that ball, it was going. In. Like, it was just disgusting what that man could do in the mid-range. Like, respect to him. But, yeah, it just it was it was amazing to watch his play. Well, I was going to say, as somebody who grew up in Dallas uh... – and Dirk Nowitzki, that that mid range, that that fade away, that he clearly did not need to fade away because he's seven feet tall, like fading away over six eight guys, but is just a thing of beauty. And and yeah, I mean that that was like that was an unstoppable shot. And if you can get that, like Sabonis, like you were saying, like having that that mid range guy just to keep the ball going through the hoop, like it sounds so stupidly simple, but your team needs to keep seeing the ball go through the hoop so they have that confidence to keep shooting, right? Like, if you go through that long stretch where you're not hitting threes, it's good to see the ball go through the hoop, right? And if you've got a guy that can get to a spot in the mid-range and and score efficiently, that does wonders for those lulls, like you said. Yeah, I I got one game in me. I got one game, and I'm like, look, if it's – I mean, if it's like – Two thousand bucks. I'll eat it. You know, what? you know what Golden One should do, or like the Kings, they should like try to control prices. I get they want to make money and stuff, but like, if it's two thousand for like in the in the at the very top, okay, like that's getting out of hand, <laughs> and it's a ticket master problem as well. So, I absolutely sorry not to cut you off, Blake, but um. I will definitely be at at least one game. I hope we get to do home because I probably won't make the first one, but definitely we'll try to make the second one, the second game, hopefully, and we win the first so we can, you know, breathe a little. (laughs) Yeah, like I feel like, so I moved here in 2020, so I feel like I don't necessarily have the right, like I don't feel right about taking a seat, even if they are like, even if I am willing to pay two grand a seat. I'm not... I'm not going to be an asshole and take a seat to game one, right? There are people who have been here since 85, right? People who have been through way worse than I have. I'll go to game two, uh, and I'll I'll pay whatever it takes, man. Yeah, yeah, like that. Y'all remember when Toronto was in the finals? It's probably going to be like this, but way rowdier, right? Like that, but way rowdier. I mean, they count, they count what is it, 18,111 is a quote-unquote sellout, right? That is full capacity, yeah, but I think. The Do you Astros think that they go to like eighteen five hundred eight or even like nineteen for the playoffs? Like I don't know what. Not to get you know, not to be a buzzkill. I don't know what the fire marshals allow in the building, but it's almost certainly less than eighteen, or it's almost certainly more than eighteen thousand one hundred eleven. Right? Yeah. They could probably squeeze in a couple hundred more. Yeah. So I I've been to concerts, and what they do is obviously they drop. 
um, like the co- it's completely different. Obviously, it's not a basketball court, so it's the stage, the area where the court is. So there's about like nineteen thousand if it's like an open area. So obviously, it's not gonna do that because you need to buy a ticket for a seat. But if they open, like push back, like do you guys remember during the bubble how players had so much space, like in that area? I feel like if they like push the front a little more and then gave more. They could put like more seats or standing room and then on top as well. So that's definitely possible. I wonder what they're thinking right now, now that it's literally a possibility and it will happen that the Kings will be in the playoffs. So So here's the real question. How much are you paying to not have a seat? Would you still pay a thousand bucks? Yeah, I mean look Yes, I, I'm just gonna max out team. I'm gonna max out multiple credit cards. <laughs> I love this team, but man, I don't know if I can drop a thousand bucks and not have a seat. Yeah, I don't mind. I just need to be in the arena. I do not mind. If it's that first game, like I don't know how you could not drop a thousand dollars. I mean, yeah, you buy in that and and be in that arena just alone. The first playoff game. If they want my kidney, they can take that too. You buy the whole seat. You're only gonna need the edge, though. (laughs) Like Jenny, like sell my kidney on the black market or something. What about tickets for the playoffs? Are you going? You live in Sacramento? I don't know. That's going to, you know, I'm in school, so I'm kind of broke. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll just go into, like, $2,000 debt for one game with my credit card. I'll max that out. As you should. As you You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I should, huh? I totally should. Wait, what? You said school? Like, are you in high school? No, like, college. Man, just get a loan out. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I'm not trying to I'm not encouraging that. Don't do that. Hey, hey, <laughs> no, I'm not card, trying to do that. Yeah, credit card debt is bankruptable. Uh, a Kings playoff win is forever. No, Period. But... Say that, Blake. Say yeah, that. Yeah, f- for sure, though. If the Kings go to the playoffs, which they probably will, I'll probably I'll probably go to one game. I'll probably, I will probably have some money. I'll probably just spend that and just go to one game. I genuinely so, hope it goes to at least um, – if, if we have a playoff home series – um, I hope that we there's at least till a game seven six six is homes right or seven seven is home. I'm not sure. Yeah, it'd be uh, it would be two, game two, one, seven, one. and there's no way in hell uh, get it done in four. I don't care if we only get two. No, no, no. We'll but what I'm saying is, I'm not complaining. They could lose four straight. They could win four straight. They could win four and lose two. They could win four and lose three. I don't care what happens in the playoffs. I just need the Kings to be on, like, national television and, like, res- put respect on that team for what they've done in the regular season. Forget the playoffs. Let's let's talk about how the, the turnaround, right? That's what I care about because they're obviously going to – that's the storyline. It's a field – no one – I just recently watched Creed, right? And no one loves, like, no like spoilers, underdog man. stories. People eat that up. They love stories like that. So it's going to be everywhere. Sacramento Kings are in the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. Like, what are they going to do? Is it going to be a fairy tale? Like, all that, you know, you hear that over and over again. Like, so it's just like, I don't care what happens. Like, I actually prefer at least five to six games. Like, I like watching series. Of course, when it's my team, I want them to win in straight. But it's like, nah, like, let's let's see what happens, right? Let's see who we get. Let's see the matchups. Let's see how Mike Brown handles the matchups, his coaches, Lindsey Harding, and, you know, Jordy and everything. So, and Doug Christie. I know Doug Christie is so excited. I just know it. Um, so, it's like, yeah, I'm just excited 
for the fact that we're going to be in the playoffs and I'll do anything to be in that arena the first game. But if I can't, if it like on a, when I'm working, then obviously, um, but yeah, super excited. I mean, today, Sac State women's basketball for the first time in their history made um, the NCAA tournament um, punched a ticket directly because they won the big, what is it called? The big sweat, the big, I forget what it's, it's called. The big, big sweat. Big, the big sky. sky. There we go. Yeah. And like I graduated from there and I never got the opportunity to watch the women play, even though obviously I'm a huge like college women's college basketball, like women's game in general. So that should be exciting. Like I'm super, super, super excited for that. Um, yeah. Because when you like, I, I went to Sac State, so uh, I could just literally go to, but my classes always interfered with, the, their games like seven I always had classes at six and then if I had a class at six it would finish out 9 p.m right 8 50 so like I never got to watch them and then it's never on tv and it's there's never there's barely even highlights you know like they'll post some stuff on twitter on instagram and stuff but it's like it was so and you know you guys I, you know I'm such a um you know college basketball women's college basketball fan so for them like my alma mater to make the the uh, NCAA tournament is very extremely special because Sac State actually has a, um, they're successful in a lot of sports like rowing. People go to uh, Sac State just so they could row because it's such a great program and it's a winning program. So yeah. Speaking of speaking of college ball, is anybody planning on going to uh, any of the sessions in Sacramento for the like, the men's I tournament? I can't I, say anything right now, but I, I'm gonna DM you. I think um. It depends on the matchups because they haven't announced it yet, right? Yeah, I I already know, I already told my wife. Look, if if uh, one of the schools that that either of us attended are, are playing there, we're going. Right? Wait, like we're yeah, we're in. So, um, who are the top four seeds in the men's? Is it Houston? I saw Houston. I don't know. It's very fluctuating in the men's it, game. So. It looks like it's going to be what uh, Alabama, Houston. Kansas, boo. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think that Sacramento gets the 7-10 matchup, and then I think they get a 2-15 matchup, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if UCLA slides, UCLA might make it up here. My hope is that Mizzou, my, uh, my undergrad alma mater, gets in at a 7 because mm-hmm. I haven't seen them play in forever. But, yeah, yeah. it's going to be fun. It's like, that should be really cool. Yeah. Uh, NCAA so tournament games. Ooh. Nothing yeah, better than a knockout uh, game. Uh, I okay. It's, this is a fantastic question. I'm glad you asked. I have no mm-hmm. idea. Um, I. It's hard to say because, like, it really it, like Zach Eady is such an, an in such an incredible specimen of a of a basketball player that like he could go complete postal and take over a game. But the problem is, is that like, if you either get him into foul trouble or like, they just don't have the depth that they had last year, which is crazy to say, even though I think overall they're better, it's because Zach Eady is better. But like, if he's not having a great get, like they go as far as he takes him. So man, I don't know. Like they lost some games that were kind of head scratchers, but also like the last game of the year, I watched them beat, the absolute crap out of the Illini and that hurt a lot, but they could, they could be for real, but man, I would not put any, any good money on them winning the tournament. Yeah. I mean, like, like he, he really, really like if, if Jaden Ivy was still there, 
if he came back for another year, I mean, they'd be no, no doubt about it. They'd be national champions. Don't even, don't even play the tournament, but this year, I don't know, man. I like their, I think it's their center for Purdue. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Zach Eady. Yeah. He is special. I really enjoy watching him play. Like I, like I was mentioning earlier, like post players, man, when you know which pivot foot to use, you can do damage like anywhere, but it's just really, um, yeah, I don't really watch men's that much. I did watch it way more when I was interested in players like, like De'Aaron Fox and, and AD and Boogie. Like I, I'm a, I'm a Kentucky. If I were to choose a men's basketball team, it would probably be Kentucky. I really enjoy watching Kentucky. I like watching UNC as well, but Kentucky would definitely, I like how they always have NBA prospects and everything. And yeah. I mean, just tomorrow night, everyone enjoy whether they're watching the game at home or watching in the arena. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's a great game and even better if it's a win. But just continue to be excited about this team, guys. Like, we are finally a step in the right direction and we have a lot of things to be excited about. So, yeah, hopefully we lighten that beam tomorrow. And then uh, hopefully on Saturday when Daly's in attendance, we can uh, light that beam too on the road. All right. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming through. Tan, Veer, Blake, Ian, Joseph, you guys are the best. We are Beam Unit, and we are out. Light the beam!